0: Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at shepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 76, and today I'm going to give a critique of soft complementarianism. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just ask for wisdom and direction. Help me to speak clearly. And help me to be honoring of people that I disagree with while simultaneously trying to compel them to what I think is just clear in your word. And help me to be humble in doing this. And so just, I need your help with that. Just clearly, I need your help with that. So please guide this discussion. I trust that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I think it would be appropriate to define terms on the front end of this thing, because in the last several years, there's been a lot of confusion about complementarian theology and and the denomination I'm a part of, which is the SBC, and the network that I'm a part of also, which is the Sojourn Network. There has been a wide range, a variety of different ideas within those who would say they're in the umbrella of complementarianism. So I want to define what I'm critiquing today, which is what's become known as soft complementarianism, And then I want to give a few critiques, and I'm trying to be, again, as honoring as I can of those who would see things differently because I just want to compel you to change because I think it's really crucial, and I think it's very important that we get God's word right on this, especially in light of everything that's going on in society at large and in light of everything that's going on in our local, like where you are now locally in your school districts and in your church life and in your home. Questions about gender are crucial, and we need to get these things right. So number one, let's define what soft complementarianism is that that I'm specifically addressing. So there's a version of complementarianism that's been around for years and years, actually, and it's been prominent in the New Frontiers movement. So Terry Virgo, you've probably heard that name before, Terry Virgo, Andrew Wilson, uh, Adrian Warnock, these are uh, guys that are connected to the New Frontiers movement in Great Britain. And they have functioned in a soft complementarianism type of way that's what we're calling it now they're coining it now and meaning they've operated under the understanding that elders have to be men but that women can preach specifically this is the nuance women can preach on a sunday morning at the lord's day gathering based on a understanding of 1st timothy chapter 2 that is unique but they think gives room ...for the woman to preach under male authority, under elder authority, at the local level. And the discussion about this is centered on 1 Timothy chapter 2 and what this verse means. Let the woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And so there's different nuances to that verse and different exegesis that comes to play... ...in trying to understand what that verse means... So soft complementarianism is a version underneath that umbrella of, of shared theology, of understanding that, the, that men are called to be elders, and the difference is that some within this stream believe that women can preach on a Sunday morning. Now, I want to give a critique of some things that I've observed about soft complementarianism at large, and then what I've seen personally up front with my own eyes and heard with my own ears. Okay, so let's go through these things one by one. Number one, one of the things I've noticed is a heavier emphasis on and a heavier focus on giftings rather than callings. The first critique I have with those who would define themselves as soft complementarianism is elevating gifts too high and callings too low. For instance, in Titus chapter 2, we're told that a woman's calling is primarily domestic. It's not exclusively domestic, but it's primarily domestic. But the focus has become, what is the woman gifted to do more than what is the woman called to do? And so instead of showing the beauty of Titus chapter 2, for instance, we are calling women to fan into flame the giftings that she has, which giftings are not a bad thing. They're just not nearly as important as callings. And so when there's a hyper-focus on giftings, we tend to ask the woman or the man or whoever, what are you gifted to do? And then we try to plug them in where they're gifted to be without giving them the same requirements as anybody else to say, whatever you're gifted to do, those giftings have to be submitted to God and then used in the way God has called you to use those giftings. Those giftings, in other words, are not given to us to be used at our own discretion. They've got to be submitted to the Lord. So any gifting that God has given anyone, a woman, a man, a child, a boy, girl, whoever, it's got to be submitted to God. And then the parameters of those giftings have to be sub- submitted to the Lord. But within soft complementarianism, I'm seeing a higher emphasis on gifting and then using those giftings based on our own discretion than a focus on the callings that God has given women in particular. Number two, soft complementarians are allowing women to say terrible things and it goes uncorrected. I'm going to give a couple examples and open myself up possibly to criticism, but these were said in a live public event. So number one, Hannah Anderson. When we were at our sojourn retreat last year, so thankful for my sojourn brothers and sojourn pastors and churches. and We've been so blessed by this network, and it's been a fantastic thing to be a part of. But Hannah Anderson came and was one of the keynote speakers at our leadership summit last year, and I have no problem with that whatsoever, nor should any complimentarian have a problem with uh, a godly woman giving an address in a conference or anything like that and learning from her. Okay, and reading her books and all of that. That's all really good things. And Hannah Anderson has written and said some wonderful things over the years. But one of the things that really disturbed me was at the beginning of her first address, she talked about how God had gifted her to do several different things and speak in the way that she speaks and that the church doesn't really know how to handle a woman who's gifted in the way that she is gifted. And her giftings are bringing her outside of her local sphere. And so as she was giving us this address and kind of setting up what she was going to be talking about, which was really good. The way she set it up was really bad because she said that her giftings had began to pull her to the broader church and make her and force her to leave home. And she said that she was put between functioning in her giftings and being home with her family. And she said, because she was pulled away from her family, one of the benefits of being pulled away from her family and going and, 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 walking in her giftings outside of her local church, and not just regionally, but nationally. One of the consequences, and she saw this as a positive thing, is it required her daughters and her husband to step up in ways that they were not required to step up before. And she said that she saw the family grow. And what was so disturbing about this is that she was blatantly saying, I'm neglecting my calling to chase after my giftings, and nobody said a word. And I'm not talking about publicly right there saying, hey, this is problematic. But the problem is our jaws were not dropped saying, hey, this in our mind, maybe there were, maybe there was a lot more people than me. But I was inside grieving for that family because here was a woman who seems to be a godly woman chasing her giftings and neglecting her calling. And that's sad. Another thing that, that was said that is common rhetoric that I hear within uh, with some women is that uh, when a lady says something like this, well, I'm not wired for the home. I'm not wired to be a mother and and being at home domestic life and, and my callings as a mother and a, and a wife are just not fulfilling to me. Now, if we were to flip that script and a man was to say, well, just in those two examples, a man was to say, well, I'm going to neglect my home because I'm getting all these speaking engagements that are, the people just keep calling me, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to travel and neglect my family, because that's what it is. It's neglect of family. It's neglect of calling. What would e- literally everyone say to that man? We would say, dude, go home. Like, stop that. Quit that. Change your schedule, because you're you're walking in idolatry here. There's a, there's a better time and place to be able to go and speak, but not when your children are young, not when your family is being neglected. that's what we'd say to a man if a man was to say well loving my wife the way christ loved the church that's not fulfilling to me we would kind of you know clean out our ears a little bit and wonder did i hear that correctly and then we would address that man and say dude that's not okay who cares if it's fulfilling to you or not who cares if you think you're wired for that or not love your wife man but within soft complementarianism Terrible things are allowed to be said, and everybody just seems to nod their head. Uh-huh, yeah, no big deal. The problem is, it is a big deal. And we can't just say, well, because you're gifted this way, ladies, you go out and do this thing and neglect your calling. That's that's what I'm talking about when gifts are focused on more than callings. Okay, number three. What I've seen within self-complementarianism is a devaluing of the home because of that. Where the home is not talked about, mothering is not talked about, domestic life is not talked about. And passages like Titus chapter 2 are relegated to a given. Well, obviously, we believe in Titus chapter 2. I have yet to hear a soft complementarian speak positively about explicitly clear passages because the focus always seems to be on what's unclear. The focus is always on 1 Timothy chapter 2, and it's not on passages like Titus 2 that are really clear or passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I have yet to see a soft complimentarian speak positively about a woman being at home. But here's what Titus 2, But here's what Titus two says. Older women likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or such or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may be reviled. Now maybe you've seen it, but I haven't. A soft complimentarian Expositing these verses, or a lady who would fall in that camp loving these verses, because after all, self complimentary women tend to not be fulfilled by what Titus 2 commands them to do. And I see that as problematic, which leads to me in my last critique, which is a failure to show the beauty of clear passages. Titus 2 is beautiful. First Corinthians 14 is beautiful, and all women are called to this. It doesn't mean that work outside of the home is wrong, but it does mean that a lady's calling. Is primarily homeward. Love your husband and children. Submit to your husband that the word of God may not be reviled. Work from home. That's the primary place of work for a lady without exception. And that's not a terrible thing to say. It's not wrong to say because, I mean, Paul said it. And so my final critique is simply that. There is, well, wait, it's not my final critique. I'll have one more. But let's look at First Corinthians 14 or just consider it. And it's been hotly debated and confusing for so long, but just let's talk about silence. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 14, the, the women are to be silent in the churches. Now, we look at that and think, well, what kind of silence? And there's room to discuss that. But we think about the beauty of commands like that. I immediately am taking to the fact that God the Father commanded Jesus the Son to be silent on several instances as he walked to Calvary. God commanded the silence of Jesus, and we sing about it. The song Man of Sorrows that we sing, silent as he stood accused, beaten, mocked, and scorned. And congregations sing about the silence of Jesus because it's so glorious. And women in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 are called to be silent and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It's not degrading. It's wonderful. And they're called in 1 Corinthians 14 from certain types of speaking in a local church. And that's an honor because Jesus was commanded to be silent. And he did that. And it was awesome. And it was powerful. And so when we focus on scriptural silences in the discussion about male, female, gender, sexuality, roles, when we focus on silence rather than what's unexplicit, that's when, that's when people like myself really get confused and wonder, now why, why are we even having this discussion? What's the big deal that God restrains men from certain things and God restrains women from certain things? Why, why do women even want to be preaching on a Sunday morning? What's the big deal? Why is it a big deal for them just to say, okay, I won't do that? I really don't understand. Why is it a huge deal if somebody has to submit their giftings to the Lord? It's just confusing to me. and that leads me to the, the real problem to kind of bring us all together. I think the real problem here, I really believe this, and if my self-commentarian brothers and sisters are listening, here's what I want to challenge you with. Are you embarrassed or ashamed by the Bible? I mean, get, get gut level honest here. Are you embarrassed by God's word? Luke chapter 9 tells us Jesus said that if you're ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you before my father in heaven. We don't have the liberty in this cultural moment or in any cultural moment for that matter to be embarrassed by what God has to say. But I see many people embarrassed because they're not talking about what's what's clear. And pastors, hear me say this. I think there are many pastors who are terrified of women, especially of strong women. I have been there before. I had to apologize to our church and to the women of our church for being scared of them. I literally just said, hey guys, hey girls, I've been scared of you and I've not spoke to you the way the Bible speaks to you. And I had to repent and it was over the Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9 passage and Jesus it was that, you know, if you deny yourself, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That whole section, I preached that sermon about being ashamed of me and my words and I had to apologize to our ladies. And I guess I could say it like this, soft men are scared of strong women. Soft men are scared of strong women. There's a type of woman that everyone avoids in the local church. And I think, I think what's driving a lot of soft complimentarianism is fear of those types of women. I believe that, and I could be wrong, and you may be, you know, shaking your fist at me and thinking, how could you even say that? I just think that's the case. I think you're scared of the strong woman. And so I would ask you to consider all these points, like go back through it, listen to it again and consider these things. And maybe I'm wrong and I would love to hear your pushback and your feedback um, from this, but I I would just ask you to not be ashamed of God's word. Don't focus on on what's silent, focus on what's clear and explicit and show the beauty of that. And I appeal to you, don't be a soft complimentarian, just be fully biblical on what God has called men and women to do. It's not a big deal. God's been clear to men and women. Let's walk in that and show people the beauty of it.